According to a recent study, the percentage of those entering American nursing homes who are moderate and severely obese has risen sharply to nearly 25% in 2010 to 14.7%, which was back in 2000. That's a huge increase. But why is there an upward trend and why are seniors having issues? We're going to talk about obesity and many of these issues with our special guest, Dr. Carolyn Cedarquist. She's the founder of Silver Cuisine. In addition to that, she is in private practice, deals with these issues. And first of all, Dr. Cedarquist, welcome to Primary Care Today. Uh, thank you so much for the opportunity. My first question for you to start with that is, we know we have obesity as an overall issue in this country. We know it's a concern. So tell me a little bit about the seniors and, and, and why it is a problem. Does it just make sense that they would have similar issues? Well, yes. You know, in terms of just throughout the entire population, there's a rise in weight problems. Um, what is happening with a lot of older adults is the ongoing gain of weight, but the concern that affects the ability to provide self-care and, you know, live at home and avoid things like nursing homes usually has to do with nutrition and the loss of muscle tissue that occurs with age. And if um, somebody is overweight entering that phase, they end up having such a higher percentage of body fat relative to their muscle tissue that it makes getting out of a chair difficult. It makes rising up off the toilet an event, you know, and then that's a lot of times what causes families to say, you know, I, I can't do this, and, you know, my father is like, you know, he's so heavy, I'm not strong enough, or even the, um, the wife of, of such a patient that they can't be the one providing this care at home. You know, I never thought of it that way, as those of us who take care of the elderly and work with their families in our practices, that that added weight is an added burden when we're just talking about the caregivers and the roles they have, you know, you bring up some interesting points about not being able to support them, not being able to lift them here and there. That that can become a big issue. And I also think the other thing that really impacts people as they age in my practice, I, I tend to see a, a healthy population who are struggling with weight, you know, not those who are thinking that, you know, they're going to need a assisted, you know, living at some point, although some of my patients are in that situation. But what comes down often is that people are not wanting to do the work of meal prep often as they get older. Uh, for women who were homemakers, you know, you maybe didn't have a career outside the home. Many of them are saying, I've, I raised a family for like years and years and cooked these big meals and I'm just done with it. I'm tired of it. Um, or if one of these adults is alone, you know, having lost a spouse, many will say, you know, it, it's, it's too much work to cook for one. It's no fun to cook for one. Or I'll also get some of the, um, you know, the gentlemen in my practice who never, cooked ever, and then they lose their life of, you know, 45 years or 50 years, and they're pretty much relying on restaurant food, supermarket food that's heavily packaged and processed, and it's adding and contributing to weight issues. Let's talk about that a little bit, because you do bring up a good point. A lot of people do say, oh, you know, I've got time for myself. We're going to go out more. Maybe the kids are grown. It's time for, you know, my wife and I or my husband and I to go out and and, and eat out two, three times a week. What kind of difference does, do those changes in lifestyle make as far as your overall conditioning and health? Right. For, for uh, people of all ages, you know, the more we eat out, 
pretty much the more we eat. Now, it is possible to maintain a normal weight and lose weight with eating restaurant food, but it's a challenge. You know, the portions are, are larger, and restaurants are not designed to make us slim. Restaurants are designed to, you know, have you come back. You know, and so the food tends to be very large. Even if you feel virtuous that you only ate half of it, we look at that the portion was maybe four times the normal size. What I also find is that we tend to get used to eating those larger portions when we eat at home. Plus, there's all those extras. You know, most people wouldn't have bread at dinner if they were making it themselves, but bread is served, and then the entree, and then dessert, and then wine. And, you know, people end up just consuming, you know, a lot more. Yeah, now there, these are all good points. What do we do then as physicians dealing with our patients? Is that something you can bring up in a casual conversation? How do you deal with it? Well, you know, I think that. A very important thing for all people is what are we doing with our food? In the situation when you have an older couple or an older adult who is, you know, struggling with getting good nutrition, either they're eating too much or not at all or eating out all the time, you know, an option might be something like Silver Cuisine, which is why we created it. These are um, fresh meals which are then frozen and they're shipped throughout the country, you know, all 50 states. And what we're finding is that people are really liking that it's a, it's a balanced meal with the adequate protein that's necessary for people of all ages, but critical for people as they age. We know that people lose muscle mass faster um, as they get older, and that the cooking of proteins, like the chicken or pork or beef, that's the work of cooking. You know, if you want to cook something fast, it's very easy to, like, you know, boil some pasta, you know, open something very quick. But Cooking proteins takes more time, more work, the concern of, um, you know, making sure you cook it to the right temperature and all of that. So, so many um, people are finding that they're able to benefit by having healthy meals that are also low in sodium because that's the concern with a lot of pre-prepared meals for a lot of our older population that they're sensitive to sodium and these things are loaded with it because that's where they're trying to, you know, get some flavor. I want to ask you some specific questions, but since we do have a physician and caregiving audience, what got you involved in metabolism nutrition from your own standpoint? What what made you uh, decide to go yeah. go in that direction? And then in addition to get involved maybe on the commercial side and trying to take it one step further. Yeah, great. Excellent questions. So I graduated from medical school 25 years ago and went into family practice. So I did my residency in family medicine and practiced in family medicine for a few years and really liked it. Um, But I do come from a family where everyone is substantially overweight, you know, obesity runs in the family, and I was always interested. And I ended up attracting a clientele where I would ask about weight, about nutrition, and found that I was always behind, two hours behind, but people would still stay because I would talk to them about food, which we really weren't so much trained for in medical school or residency. Um, In 1998, I decided to start my solo medical practice, which I am still in solo medical practice, you know, all these years later, 18 years later. But I started my practice with dietitians, and I have three full-time dietitians, and we work with food, people's eating behaviors. I work with a therapist on emotional eating issues. She's part of my staff. So it's become a real passion. In terms of what prompted the development of first what was called Bistro MD and now Silver Cuisine is that so many of my patients would say, yes, 
eating regularly and consistently, making sure I have adequate lean protein, eating real food instead of uh, powders and bars. It's so much better. Losing weight, I feel good, but it's work. It's work. Could you cook this meal for me, Dr. Cedarquist? You know, so um, that's really what happened. And my husband, who was helping me in my medical practice at the time, thought, well, this, this could be a business. He didn't know quite what was going to be entailed, how complex it is to have a food business, all the regulations and things, and what it takes to make delicious food that's low sodium, low fat, able to freeze, able to reheat. You know, there's many, many steps, but it's been very rewarding because it's allowed people to lose weight and with Silver Cuisine, allow people to care for um, their older family members or even for themselves living in their homes as long as they can. I'm Dr. Brian McDonough. You're listening to Primary Care Today on ReachMD. Our guest is Dr. Carolyn Cedarquist. We're talking a little bit about her background and her career. When we're talking to, let's say, 55 plus, what are the best types of diets, the best type of foods you think they should be eating, we should be recommending for them to stay healthy and as of course they're all concerned about you know live a longer life. Yes, live as long as we can as well as we can. That's the key. You know, nobody envisions I want to live to 100 in a nursing home for the last 15 years. We're doctors, we've seen it, we don't want that, right? You know, so I I think they're great questions. What I find is that all of us as we age, we have a decreased ability to metabolize carbohydrate. When you look at um, healthy, normal weight 30-year-olds and normal weight 60-year-olds, there's a much higher glucose load and insulin load in the normal weight 60-year-old after the same meal compared to the 30-year-old. This is not new. We've known about this since, uh, since the 80s. You know, so we all have a declining ability to metabolize carbohydrates, so we need to watch it. We need to primarily decrease some of the breads and the grains and the sweets and really switch our carbohydrate intake to more vegetables, more legumes, you know, really, as most people recommend, healthy carbs. The other thing that I think it's important for people as they age is we want to maintain muscle mass, not get into sarcopenia, the loss of lean tissue with age, and that involves the regular intake of protein. So we want some protein into breakfast, into lunch, into dinner, but the way most people eat in the United States is proteins at dinner, and it's too much. Most of us can only utilize four to five ounces of protein at any meal. The rest gets converted to glycogen for storage or fat for storage. We don't save it for use later. So to maintain muscle mass and remain in positive nitrogen balance, not lose muscle. We want to get that regular intake of protein throughout the day, watch the types of carbohydrates. And we also probably need to look at fats. You know, there's been some talk that maybe we should all eat more fat and things like that. Um, That may be an okay trend, but if you're overweight, you know, fat is a concentrated form of calories and we need to keep an eye on that too. When we're dealing with our patients, one of the things we look at, obviously, is their nutritional status and how they're doing and and how they feel. When people have poor nutrition, do they often get mistaken for other conditions that could maybe get them in trouble, lead to other diagnoses? What what about the role of nutrition, as you see it, especially as a primary care doc? 
Yes, you know, for sure. You know, um, fatigue is huge in my practice, that people will come in feeling very, very tired. And what we find is that there's definitely evidence of glucose intolerance on lab work. And when we balance the eating out to really get that under control, fatigue gets a lot better. Um, Certainly also, you know, depression, you know, it, it leads into this cycle of I'm too tired to exercise even though I need to do that. That's very, very um, key. Um, so we definitely do see that. Um, certainly with loss of muscle tissue can, you know, come all the um, increased falls and things like that that we see. Um, so, you know, it's very important to look at that part of our patients. And it is something that, you know, often isn't brought up in, in the few minutes we have with patients. We only have a few minutes left speaking about that. What are things that I didn't ask you that you'd really like to talk about that you think are important for our audience? Um, I think probably more to recap. You know, our our patients who are who are getting older want to live as long as they can in as good health as they can, and you know the pillars of that are regular physical activity and diet. You know, and in this country, you know, we're relying on more restaurant foods, more processed foods, um, things that don't necessarily work to that end. But we have to respect that not everybody is interested or able to spend the hours that it takes for meal preparation. So something like Silver Cuisine could be a useful tool for our patients or for people to get for their elderly parents because they're concerned that they're not eating well. I did have one last question, and that is, are there any things that you think we as physicians are not doing when it comes to our patients' nutrition, nutritional status that we should be doing as part of our visits with them, things where you know, we might be missing the boat or skipping something that's important? Well, um, you know what, this is um, uh, just a quick thing. I test all of my patients for vitamin D, vitamin B12, and serum magnesium. And I practice in Florida, and I will tell you that the vitamin D is often low. Many patients are very low in magnesium in the red blood cell, but not in the serum, and it causes a whole host of symptoms like constipation and muscle cramps and esophageal dysmotility and all of that very significant improvement when we replace those deficiencies. Same with the B12, which I find very common with all the use of the PPIs, metformin, and other medicines like that that are very commonly used. So while there's a lot of, you know, stuff out there that people don't need vitamins and things like that, very simple, relatively inexpensive vitamin screening could be very helpful for patients, especially as they get older. Well, I want to thank you, Dr. Carolyn Cedarquist, for joining us on Primary Care today. It's really been a pleasure, and I appreciate you taking the time to join us. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. This is Dr. Brian McDonough. If you missed part of the discussion, please visit reachmd.com slash today. You can download the podcast. You can learn more on the series. Thank you for listening.